the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz and today I'm joined um, by Lucy from EO, who's very kind and came in from Winchester. So thank you no for uh, making the trip. Um, so, well, I always like to start with the people that come on the show. Um, I know that obviously you've been in recruitment for over a decade. Yeah, scary that, yeah sorry to remind you. Um, but how how did you uh, end up in recruitment? Tell me that story. How did that happen? Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one because actually I don't think I've ever met anybody that left school or at school ever wanted mm. to be a recruiter. Yeah, yeah. I think it seems to be something that a lot of people actually fall into, mm. and that's myself included. Yeah. Um. So I was actually talking to um a provider about a role for me. So my background and my education was like PR and marketing. Okay, cool. So I went to them for a role. And then they gave me the, have you ever thought about going into recruitment? Oh, so you were dealing with a recruiter at that yeah. point. Okay, cool. So then, and then they like, turned you... the cards basically <laughs> on me. So I did the dream. So was it, so what were they, um, so then did they recruit for other recruitment businesses then or was it for their business days? Yeah, it, it was for their business. Oh, okay. So did you go and meet them and register with them and then? Yeah, so um, as I say, I think it was when I was doing sort of PR and marketing. So I met with them regarding a... PR or marketing yeah, sure. role quite a while ago, so it's hard to remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think we had a sort of good conversation, met a couple of the guys, um, and basically they just started talking to me a bit, bit about really what they do. Mm. Um, it was for one of the big FTSE organisations as well, so, um, you know, there was a lot of potential from a sure. sort of earnings perspective, from a careers perspective. Um, and I guess really sort of turned my head from what I thought I wanted to do yeah. into something that, you know, 13 years later, I'm still, still doing. Yeah, I got sold a dream. So what, what, was, what did you have any sort of perception of recruitment then at that point? Do you remember, like, what, what did you think recruiters did or how, yeah? I don't know, really. Like? If I sort of look back, I always remember it was the, you know, good relationships yeah. um, and, you know, everyone seemed really personable, quite mm. fun. What I liked about the organisation that I was talking to um, was that everybody loved what they did. Nice. So, you know, there was a great sell, whether it was a sell or, or whether it was actually <laughs> true in reflection. Um, but everybody was really passionate about the organisation um, that they worked for. I think, you know, in the past, recruiters, I've probably dealt with a lot of the high street recruiters mm. when I'd been looking for um, some like some holiday work from uni sure, and sure. stuff like that. So actually, for me, talking from the sort of high street recruiters going to one of the big corporate um, you know, was a sort of very different type of conversation that I was having with them. Because obviously, yeah, I mean, my my just perception of um, the sort of high street stuff and that, I guess that it just has the sort of perception of like it's just a bit more transactional and yeah. not not maybe not as relationship based. Yeah, and I think also, you know, my relationships with those recruiters was more, can you find me a job for yeah, six yeah. weeks so in the summer? So it is more transactional, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. So that was more like office temping work. Whereas I guess, you know, the organisation I ended up working for, they were really looking for, um, I don't know, marketing people, finance, sales, mm. whatever it might be, to build long-term careers of in course. that sector. So how long did you work there for? Um, so I went back, actually. So I did a stint for four and a half years. Oh, wow. Um, so you straight off the bat did four and a half years? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how were those four and a half years then? Because that must have been a loved it. journey. Yeah, really? yeah, loved it. And so. I think, you know, the organisation I say that I joined was Bigfoot's the organisation, um, and you know they are known in for I guess they're sort of best in class training. Yeah. So it, it's great for your training. Um, I had a phenomenal team that I was working with, um, and you know the market probably in 2006, scarily enough, <laughs> um, was probably quite a different place than mm. the market that we're in now. So actually, 
things like sounds awful you know linkedin etc yeah, weren't around that. as much crazy um so you know we literally worked so how off. what did it look like when you first started then like what what was like the main way that you'd get candidates and stuff like that what was like the main yeah. method we had a me- massive database okay yeah so it's all it was all about the database yeah it right? was about database it was about advertising i looked after um temporary hr requirements okay so with the interim side of things it's quite different from permanent recruitment and executive search because sometimes you find that you are dealing with the same candidates. They may go on a placement, come off placement, come back, register again. But often we would advertise the roles or, you know, the the selling point of the organisation was we had one of the biggest HR recruitment databases in the UK. Yeah, and that would be like your sales pitch. Yeah. That was it. The clients, that was the sales pitch. I have got 50 million people in my database. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, positive (laughs) and negative, isn't it? Because obviously from a client perspective, that's great. Mm. But from a candidate perspective, how do you ever get found? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So So back then, how did you fill that database up? Like, Like, for me, when I started, it was very much CVs of job boards, referrals, all that. So how, how did it get filled up with that many people? Like, I guess the organisation had been around since the 70s, oh, okay, you know, okay, really yeah, being honest. Yeah, fair enough, fair um, enough. So over that time period, that database had probably evolved. Yeah. Um, and no one's on there going, opt out. <laughs> yeah, there was no GDPR yeah, at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I think, you know, also for us, you know, I worked in one particular office, so we focused on a region. Yeah. And then, you know, there were another team focusing on another region. There were yeah, another yeah. team focusing on another region. Literally all recruiting for the same people. Mm. Um, so, you know, we were doing advertising, um, as you say, probably networking, yeah, referrals, yeah. especially in the interim market that I was in. Um, and I still am, but sort of a, a different level. Um, it is very well networked. So actually yeah. you may meet one candidate who, you know, if you get a good nice, relationship, uh, place nice. them, recommend you to somebody yeah. else. Um, and what we were very good at doing, and you know, I think a lot of the market still does, is tracking where those individuals go as well. Nice. So actually, you would know if they were finishing up an assignment um, on a I don't know Friday, they'd be available on the Monday yeah, to start yeah, something yeah. else. Nice. Okay. Cool. So um, I know again, I'm testing your memory here, but I'm just always curious. So for me, like the first twelve months were like so difficult. Like I found yeah. that really like really up down. Like, I don't know if you can remember what your first twelve months in recruitment like was. It it seems like you went into um, a really thriving, passionate environment, which I think is so helpful when you yeah. when you first start. Yeah, I think that, and probably you know, as I say, we had really good training. So what did that consist of then? What 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 made oh, it good oh, training? I can't remember sort of in, <laughs> inside out, but um, you know, for a lot of us, we were coming into recruitment not having had any experience of the industry yeah, yeah, yeah. and people were coming from very different industries say from myself i probably had a job in pr and marketing yeah, yeah. one of my now very good friends um she had come from um in-house hr okay because we, we recruited hr or i did specifically we actually had quite a lot of people coming from hr so it was more about how do you recruit yeah, 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 than, okay. you know necessarily the ins and outs of hr yeah, yeah. um so it was probably learning our craft yeah, yeah. Um, and ways of doing things in the business that we worked for. Yeah, yeah. So actually we may have operated in a slightly different way to our biggest competitor. We all did the same thing, mm. but we may maybe use different systems or different tracking tools sure. and that side of things. So how has it evolved for you then, Lucy? Like how have you like, I don't know, yeah, how has it evolved from like, yeah, obviously casting yourself back then to like now, 2000 yeah. and like what how has it changed what would you say is the biggest change yeah i think you know everything's changed out there you know if we're honest so you know the market's changed significantly um 
that is, you know, from a, I guess, an economic perspective. So if you look at, you know, when I was in recruitment, I've seen, you know, the downturns, I've seen the positive side. Yeah. I've seen the times when we had more jobs than candidates, believe it or not. Yeah. And, you know, we've then got more candidates than roles to fill. So I think the market's evolved significantly over that time. We've obviously then had the impact of technology. Yeah. Um, so we've said, you know, LinkedIn or the social media side yeah, of yeah. things. More organisations are doing their own recruitment yeah, as well. That's a challenge. Yeah. So, and, and it's a challenge when you sometimes you place those recruiters who are then going to basically do all of that in-house recruitment themselves. <laughs> and so it is a bit of chicken and egg on that side of things. Yeah. Um, and then say, you know, I think, I don't know, candidates' demands have changed. Yeah. Clients' demands are changing as well. So I think the whole market is totally different. Mm to how it was when I first joined. You know, the principles of what we do are still the still same. Still the same, yeah. Um, and it is about, you know, finding good candidates, but they are becoming harder and harder to find. Yeah. You know, it's that unicorn, isn't it? Everyone wants the same people, basically. No, basically. So have you always stayed in the same sort of market then? Yeah, so absolutely. So I've always recruited within HR. Wow. Okay, um, so that must, that must be really, fr- like, you must have some serious network, like, because if you've been doing it for that yeah. period of time. I think it's interesting because even when I, um, you know, was thinking about what I did, you know, there were opportunities to go and recruit, I don't know, in finance or yeah, technology yeah, yeah. or whatever it was going to be. Um, but for me, you know, I think you have to be, in the market that we're in, an expert. Yeah. You know, you have to know your craft, you have yeah, to know yeah, your yeah. product. That's one of the reasons that people would come to you. You know, absolutely, it's about your philosophy and what you deliver but you have to be an expert in that market. Mm. Um, when I started, as say, I was recruiting more temporary candidates, so we were talking about like hourly rates, that sure, side of sure. things. Um, and then as I started doing some of my networking, I was like, actually, there's a different market here, mm. which was more senior candidates. Mm. So it was an opportunity that I sort of dug out for myself. Okay. Um, so instead- That's the great thing about recruitment, right? Like, you can see an opportunity, opportunity. and literally, you, you, you literally can build your own business run where you see the, the opportunity so when did you make that transition then oh I can't remember it's probably a couple of years in and say I just started perhaps networking at a more senior level yeah, yeah. um you know recruitment is a sales job after all <laughs> and started to realize you could potentially make a little bit more, more money, money of course, of course. um placing you know very senior candidates mm. so started just doing a bit more networking um and you know I think with the individuals at a more senior level as well they weren't only just candidates, they were also clients as well. Okay. So, you know, they might go on to assignment, then hire somebody. Yeah. Um, so I was, think it can dual fold. Was there a, was there like, because for me, I, I didn't recruit a lot of senior roles. So is there like, a, a just sort of, do you approach it in a different way? Like, obviously the principles are still the same, but I don't know. Did you find that obviously you're approaching it in a different way in terms of like, net, you meet a lot more people through networking and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, is it a different sort of approach or a different way that you try and build relationships with these senior people? As I say, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the typically the more senior candidates will also could become clients. Yeah. So I think it's kind of being mindful of that. But also, mm. um, I've always just gone with, like, treat how people how you want to be treated yourself. Oh, yes. yeah. um, so again, you know, I would hope that people would say, you know, as a result of that, I do go back to people. I do build good relationships. Yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of the work that I deliver even now comes directly through my network. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It, it's just really, you know, being able to build good relationships. And, you know, I, I think the whole thing about our industry is it has had a negative 
um, impression because it can be seen as quite salesy. For sure. Um, especially HR people, they don't like that approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never really seen my role as a sales role. Mm. Actually, you know, it that's what it is, but it's more about relationship building. Mm. Um, so, you know, when I am recruiting um, at a more senior level, you know, say I think it's the, it's the same principles that I applied when I was still recruiting yeah, yeah. HR officers. But, but I guess what I liked what you said there is like you really do have to think of of the long term of the long term and don't make decisions that may benefit you in the short term but long term because as you said these people may be clients and all that sort of thing so I guess yeah when when you're operating in that sort of senior world then yeah you really do have to double down on the service and building relationships and that sort of thing because as you said you don't know when you may need to yeah work for them or in terms of the job and And stuff like that. And it is a small world and I think you know actually in the space that I operate in as well you know, it is very well networked. Mm. You know, you're only as good as your last placement. You're only yeah. as good as your reputation. So for me, they are things that I try and pride myself in. You know, that nice. service piece, when you were talking about that training, mm. it was about customer service. Nice. I think, you know, the same organisations changed a few, you know, as it's gone down the lines. But, you know, I don't like the reputation that our industry has had. Why do you think it has that reputation? Because it's sales role, you know, and that's it. So actually, you know, it is KPI driven in a lot of organisations. It is about money, you know, it's yeah, about yeah. generating that revenue. Um, you know, the more revenue you generate for the organisation, I guess, you know, the more supposedly you take home yourself. And I think that's why a lot of people don't necessarily last particularly mm. long time in the industry, because actually they're treating it in that manner as yeah. opposed to thinking about longer term. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think, you know, you don't stay in this industry for a long time if you are going to operate that, that way. way. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, yeah, definitely. And I think for me, it's just like what people need to remember, and 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 the best recruiters will know this. It's great to get that commission and all that, but it's the people part. Like you, as you said, you've got to treat people like you need to be treated. And when you don't do that, like you affect you, you generally do affect people's lives. And like if you don't go back to people when they've had an interview, take on time of the day, you don't even have the courtesy to go back and say, you know what. It, it, this is the reason why they didn't want to offer you the job mm. and it's it's basically yeah it's that it's that people part because as you know reputation and all that sort of thing like it's very easy for people now to have an opinion online and everyone's got an opinion everyone's that's got the an problem. opinion that's what I mean yeah and the, the thing is for me obviously I'm going to be biased because I speak to people on here and stuff but there are a lot of great recruiters out there yeah. um, and obviously again it hasn't been the norm in our industry in, in recruitment to um put stuff out online not everyone likes to do that because they're, they're a bit conscious of oh I don't want my client to see this or I'm not sure if yeah. I'll come right across the right way so there are a lot of great recruiters out there but obviously it, I, I, in today's world now it takes one bad experience for someone oh, the, the, this terrible recruiter got me an interview or um, just treated me like a, a piece of meat or whatever and uh, and that's so easy to yeah. share now but you'd isn't be it? surprised it happens across the board so actually it isn't just a contingent market that okay. I get that feedback about Oh, really? I actually get that feedback a lot about a lot of the um, traditional executive search. We call them the Shreks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean then? Oh, Explain the, what the, the Shreks the, mean. For the different brands that basically okay. it, it, it spells out Shrek. But um, you know, these are the guys that even recruit at 200k plus. So actually there is still, still some have negative reputation. reputation. Really? Yeah, about feedback and I can't get hold of this person. And, you know, I think I'm great for this. Oh. But... Um, I think I've, as I say, I've always gone with just treat people how you want to be treated on the other side. I can't say that I have always phoned everybody oh, back that I We're wanted human. to. Yeah, but you know, you, you do drop a ball from time to time, and you know, everybody does. 
But as I say, I think it's just about that common courtesy. Um, I do try and respond to everybody, um, you know, if they drop me a LinkedIn message or mm. a quick call or, you know, send, send information back. But I think, you know, also we can't help everybody. You know, yeah, if we yeah. are constantly That's... talking to candidates day in, day out, we're not out there talking to clients who give us the jobs. Yeah. So it is a bit of a balance about where we can spend our time. But like you've said, you know, I think all the social content side of things has really helped on that. So actually, you know, I might not be able to place everybody. Well, I can't place everybody, mm. but, you know, I can direct them to certain blogs and vlogs mm. and things like that that we've done that hopefully give them information um, about still giving value. Yeah, LinkedIn profiles, CVs, mm. different things they can be doing, the interim market. I also look after executive search now as well. So there's a different approach to both of those sides of the markets. So it's about trying to add as much value yeah, exactly. as we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how have you approached technology and social media and all that? How have you tried to use that to your advantage then? You mentioned a few things there, like blogs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, how have you tried to... Have you? What was your initial view on it when, I don't know, like, how, as it evolved? Like, was you initially like, nah, this doesn't work? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. know. How did it... What was your view? I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about the basic stuff, such as LinkedIn... Um, you know, everybody just had a LinkedIn profile. I mean, yeah, to be yeah. honest, you know, I don't even know how, how old my profile is. I don't even think we really knew why we had a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> it, it was just one of these things that you kind of did and, you know, you just left it and yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of added everybody you'd ever met on a night out and, you yeah, know, yeah. clients and candidates and everything. But I think, you know, the whole thing has evolved. For me, um, you know, it probably is as a result of joining EO. Okay. Um, I've been there since January 2017. And, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the organisation when I was talking to them was taking this new disruptive approach in the market. Nice. Um, because, you know, it has been quite traditional. Um, as you say, you know, there hasn't really been um, much evolution in the market. Mm. The whole social side of things is still relatively new. But actually, it's part of EO's ethos. So at, it is about adding value. It's mm. about disrupting the market. It's about, you know, taking both clients and candidates on that new journey. Technology is impacting everything. You know, yeah, I do yeah. a lot of work in the consumer space. And if you look at the retail market, Oof. it's been impacted so heavily Massively. by technology. So yeah. actually, you know, the recruitment industry, whether it be contingent, executive search, interim management, it hasn't necessarily evolved with that. Yeah. So when I joined DO, that was one of the things that I really liked. Nice. Um, and, you know, there is a big belief in the organisation, as I say, a bit about um, this reciprocity, you know, we can't help everybody. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, there aren't enough of us to go around talking to <laughs> candidates constantly. But, you know, if we can add that value, hopefully that that pays off for the candidate and actually pays off for us as an organisation down the line. So we are doing more vlogs. Yeah. Um, blogs. I'm trying to do blogs every couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, had a really great one. Um, a couple of months ago now that was being shared in Mexico, in Sweden, you wow. know, it, Australia. What was it about? Um, it was about work-life balance. So uh, I guess actually something that everybody was quite interested about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, you know, that's great because it builds my social footprint, yeah. my network, my reputation. Um, we do a lot of questions and answers, so a lot of Q&As with our clients, with our candidates as well. Nice. So a lot of thought leadership. Yeah. Um, I've got a blog out at the moment with a guy um, and it's about global mobility. So when organisations are taking um, employees abroad, and I think, you know, that's been really interesting because, again, that has had some global coverage because yeah. there's a lot of people in that situation. Yeah, so it's yeah, stuff yeah. that people can relate to. Mm. Um, I think it's also not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah, yeah, and as yeah, you yeah, said, exactly. there's, a, there's a lot of so-called thought leaders out there that when you look at it, don't necessarily have a lot of experience to back it up. 
So, love all that, amazing. How so that that that's what I like, and that's why I started sort of. My only thought process was when I started doing more stuff on LinkedIn and stuff. I asked myself the question. What else can I be doing to communicate with potential candidates and clients that I can add value to or help? And as I'm, as I'm sure you're agreeing, I'll ask you a question in a second. But obviously, when you're just having phone calls and meetings, like, you, and you have, you give that consultative advice. It's just limited to that, mm-hmm. and that's a great thing about social. I think in recruitment is that you don't know that one person that you might impact, like that. You may not have a conversation with them, but if you end up in their inbox on LinkedIn or whatever then it's just going to be a lot warmer. And uh, did you get what I mean? So yeah. being able to reach a lot more people. But what I did want to ask you was, so how has that impacted your desk? Like what, what's been the ROI on that? That's great that you've got coverage. Yeah. Have you seen an impact on, have you had more conversations? Or I don't know how, what, yeah, has there been an impact? we definitely have as an organisation. Okay. Um, so as I say, you know, I look after our HR practice. We've got finance, supply chain, procurement, you know, sales, yeah. marketing, et cetera as well. So actually across the board, we are constantly doing the blogs and vlogs. Sure. Um, we've actually got an um, internal marketing team as well that are yeah. constantly putting content out to market, um, focusing on loads of stuff that I don't really understand, like you know <laughs> all the PPC stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, from an organisational perspective, we do have proven results yeah. that actually, you know, as a result of doing some of this stuff, it yeah, is yeah, generating yeah, yeah. more revenue. What about for yourself? Uh, for myself, it's been an interesting one, actually. So I think I've personally built out my own network okay which i think in turn has generated opportunities okay um i i don't really think off the back of any of these things i've necessarily had a particular role phoned in Mm. but actually it's opened up relationships yeah that again i've nurtured those relationships Mm. that in turn have then created opportunities um I don't know, people may have seen some of the blogs as a candidate, then landed in a role as a client, yeah, yeah. and it's then they It's hard to like, me. pinpoint into one thing, isn't it? But again, it's like, it's just having that different touch point. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Which is super, super powerful. So um, how, how do you, what, what are your thoughts on, how do you see it evolving then over the next like five years? Because like, it has the potential to like, really change, yeah. I think. I think, it's, uh, I, I think it's too difficult, in all honesty, to predict. Yeah. So as I say, you know, if you look a few years ago, you know, we didn't even have internal recruitment teams in lots of organisations. <laughs> you know, scary as it actually seems. Or you did have somebody that was basically filling out opportunities to recruitment agencies, yeah. interim providers, executive search. But, you know, with the impact of technology, and even, as I say, you know, I keep going back to LinkedIn. You know, this allows a lot of organisations to um, post their own adverts, yeah, yeah, search yeah. for their own candidates. You know, people are building out some of those teams. But also... I think you then have to think about, and that's one of the things I loved about EO and the philosophy is how as a recruitment provider, do you still have a place in that market? So if clients are doing a lot more directly, how do you as an individual still have a job or career in recruitment? And I think that's where the, what is going to be different is going to come. So, you know, the stuff that we're doing at the moment, you know, I think is only um, just very small in terms of, you know, the vlogs, the blogs, because actually you know the disruptors you guys you know other people soon catch up with us yeah that's the challenge so actually you constantly have to evolve and be on the forefront of what is new Mm. um you know i don't know if it's different ways of interviewing um we're often getting approached i'm sure everybody is about you know different products that perhaps we could be using they're all formed around technology um where people are wanting to work more flexibly you know again technology is impacting that i think you know we are in a really interesting point you know in the world in general yeah yeah, yeah, for sure um about what the future could be and you know there's all the talk about ai robots all of that um 
I don't know, you know, perhaps I'm going to be replaced by a robot in five years' time. I've got no idea. I think, yeah, the, when I've had conversations around that, I think it's that, all of everything that you just said mixed with, like, getting back to what, what you said, treat how you want to be treated, build relationships, mm. make connections and all that. So if you're not doing that as a recruiter, then I think that, yeah, there is a great chance that a lot of what you do currently do or the transactional stuff will be automated yeah, and stuff absolutely. like that. So you, it's it's mixed with... Think, have an open mind. Don't just say, "Oh no, it's always worked like this." Uh, mixed with like double down on actually the service that you provide and providing value, right? Yeah, I think it's as you said. I think it's your fault. So I think a lot of people are probably focusing so much on technology that they're not doing the relationship exactly. side of things. And then there's others that are probably focusing so much yeah. on relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. that aren't picking up on the technology. Mm. So I think it is about having that sort of blended approach thinking sure. um, to you know the, the new world. And you have to be prepared to change. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at the market that we're in um, and look at the more traditional search firms that are, that are out there, you know, they are working with particular business leaders, you know, with the FTSE CEOs, etc. Mm. Um, and, you know, at some point, those individuals are going to retire um, and will no longer be hiring in the market. Yeah. But actually, some of these organisations then haven't necessarily built relationships with individuals at a more junior level who are the individuals that are coming up through the ranks as well. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's true. also, you know, not forgetting that, you know, the clients that you've got today may not be the clients that you're going to have tomorrow. Yeah. And so it is so even true. treating, you know, those perhaps perceived more junior candidates with the same respect and level of service because they'll be your clients of the future. Yeah, that, that is very true. So I'm always curious about this. So um, so how long have you been doing the, um, how long have you been doing the executive search? How long have you been doing that for? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a sort of, combination in all honesty so I started doing interim recruitment started then working more at a sort of senior interim level um you know and typically the placements I'm you know make at that level of sort of 500 pound a day and above mm. um and then quite probably a couple of years ago in all honesty I started working on a sort of dual desk basis okay. I guess it's the easiest way to sort of explain it isn't it so looking after senior interim management and executive search at the same time so that probably goes back just trying to think of the top maybe six years. Okay. Now. The, the reason why is because so I used to do permanent stuff, and obviously I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are maybe interested in getting in that high level like yeah. exec search. Like, how can how can someone get in into that from like just a con- normal contingency thing? I think when I had Andrew and he said everyone they've got in the business actually came from a contingency background. Yeah. So like, but I don't know how. Yeah. What what advice would you give craft. to those? You yeah. Know, and that's it. You have to be you know, an expert in your field. So, okay. you know, you, all of a sudden you can't recruit, you know, at 30K and then think you're going to next recruit somebody that's on a 200K base salary because yeah. actually you don't necessarily, you know, know your craft, know yeah. your product, know your markets. So, you know, for me, um, and as I say, I think I alluded to it relatively early on, I found an opportunity yeah. to push myself into doing something different. You know, it was then, you know, it's about identifying opportunity, does something come to you that, you know, allows you to start operating at a sort of different level? Or do you start, you know, trying to do more networking at a more yeah, senior yeah. level? That's true, to be fair, because I think, thinking back, I remember uh, with one of my senior colleagues in my, um, the, the recruitment agency I worked for, she sort of had, she had the intention of purposely, because the opportunities are there to get on the senior roles, but you have to network and make sure your clients know that you can get involved and that add value to those stages. So I guess, I guess some good advice for people that are trying to um, maybe get to that higher, bigger ticket stuff is, well, the market you're currently in, there will be that higher level yeah. stuff. So how can you leverage your um, reputation right now to start trying to get involved in that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also depends on, 
the organization you work for. Sure. Um, so, you know, in some organizations, they may have a reputation for being great at operating at a particular level. Um, you know, unfortunately, that might mean you have to move somewhere yeah, that's else true, that's true, yeah. to get the opportunity to start doing some of the more senior stuff. Um, and, you know, some of the organisations I've worked in have already had teams doing some of the more senior stuff. So actually, in some of that situation, it's probably more about your internal reputation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if that organisation that you're in already does some of that stuff, you know, how do you get known or get seen by the yeah, right yeah. people as That's being, true. you know, the right person to move into that particular team? You know, I, th- I think you can do, you can make a natural evolution into some of that. So as you say, you know, all of us guys have come from contingent recruitment into senior interim executive yeah, search. Yeah. You're not going to just come out of uni, college, yeah, wherever, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden start recruiting 200k roles. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess it's either like grad schemes and those sorts of things mm. is perhaps a way in. But as I say, I, I do really think it is about, you know, building the right networks, yeah, getting yeah. to know the right people, you know, clients that potentially buy into you, what you do they might give you a chance. Exactly. Not always, but yeah. actually, you know, they might see something in you or you may have just been networked with or met a really great candidate who you can then start networking exactly. with yeah, in the market, that's true. That's which true. again gets you a foot in the door. Yeah, yeah that's very perhaps true. Perhaps with senior hiring leads. And I think it's always about thinking about who your client is. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, for us, and I recruit, say, you know, HR directors, group HR directors, they are only going to be recruited by CEOs, MDs, group HR directors. So that has to be the network that I start building. Mm. Um, So I think it's, you know, thinking about the level of which you want to operate at, who are those hiring leads, and then how do you network with them? So it might be you get content out to them. It might be events and things like that. It's just how do you start talking to the right people? So... um, as you know, Women in Recruitment Week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slight change. I know obviously you're in the, the process of um, writing a blog about this sort of topic. Yeah. Um, I know we were speaking a bit before, but obviously I'm sure, obviously being in, in recruitment for a while, so how how have you found it being a woman in recruitment? How has it changed? Like how did it used to be? How is it now? What, what What's your sort of overall sort of view on that topic? Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting one because... I've never seen, you know, realistically being a woman in recruitment any different as being a yeah, guy cool. in recruitment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, until it gets to, I guess, a certain level. Yeah. Um, and you start looking around some of the organisations and potentially start realising there are less women at a senior level mm. operating in recruitment, or that, you know, there have been, um, than men. And I think that's when you start questioning a bit mm. around why. Um, so, you know, I've, I've always worked with blended teams, and in all honesty... Um, you know, a lot of the teams that I do work with are very male dominated. Sure. Um, so I think it's, again, it's about those building relationships. Um, as women, we don't necessarily put ourselves forward for yeah. new tasks and new challenges, whereas the guys are at the forefront ready to do it. <laughs> so I think, you know, you've got to have a bit of tenacity. You've got to, you know, to an extent, maybe fight a little bit more yeah. uh, for your cause, even within your own organization as mm. well. Um and, you know, the teams that I've worked with, as I say, in the past have been very blended. Probably what I have noticed, though, is actually if I look back to the team that I used to work with, you know, really early on, and I think we touched on it yeah. earlier, is actually quite a lot of those people that were even really successful left recruitment after a couple of years. Um, Was that to what, to, because they wanted to have a family and stuff like that? Or yeah, just I don't, I don't even think things. it was. I think, okay. you know, had had a good time, made some money, 
but had not necessarily seen recruitment as a career. Yeah, okay. Um, and it had been for them, you know, more of a, I say, we worked hard, played hard, yeah, had yeah, a really yeah. good time, a job for a couple of years. And then, you know, left the recruitment industry to do very different things. People have gone into teaching and mm. things, for example. So I, I think I look back to that time, most of the guys that I was probably working with Stayed in are, st- are still in oh, industry. Okay. So I, d- I don't know what some of the reason behind that was early on. But then, you know, that then continues, doesn't it? So exactly, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if I look back out of that team that we had, I think I'm still the only one that's still doing provider recruitment, recruitment you know, agency yeah, yeah, recruitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from 2006. So I think there are limited numbers of women that continue in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, you know, if you start thinking that then when you're looking for, I don't know, an MD or an associate director Mm. or whoever that is within an organisation, your pool of people that you can put forward, you know, there may only be me and four other guys (laughs) going for the same job. So I think you do find that there is a bit of a gap. How do you you see it evolving in the next sort of... Because I think the conversation I had is like... That word flexible working is a lot more popular now than it used to be, as you said before, that obviously... Hours used to be what eight till six, yeah, like, eight till seven. Eight till seven. We used to be allowed out on uh, half five or five on a Friday as a treat. That's um, what I mean. But whereas now, like, there's flexible working. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I can from the conversation I had and how things are evolving, I can see a lot more catering to those people who maybe think recruitment isn't a career because I have to do. It doesn't quite serve me in other places if yeah. I want to have a young family and stuff like that then um, that might cater more people and that may more be even a conversation now than yeah. maybe it didn't. You, I don't know, did, did that even, what was flexible working I back then? I thought there was like... no flexible working. You know, if, if you were going <laughs> out of the I mean. office at, I don't know, 6.50, like you know, upon. everyone frowned upon it, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think that was the challenge. So, you know, we had a great time. Um, you know, one of the comments that a lot of people did use to say, you know, whether it was guys in the team or, you know, we, we didn't necessarily say even have as many girls. Um was that they didn't see their children they didn't see their yeah, family exactly. but i think again the impact of technology um demands from um candidates and employees mm. have changed so actually often working hours have changed um it's not necessarily now about being in a particular location to do your role exactly it's actually more about what you're doing as opposed to where you're doing yeah, it. yeah exactly um, which the- i think is just so important like there's just so much stuff out there now where a lot of people it's like, well, you need to be in the office to like do this. But if the results don't change and you're still delivering or even over delivering and you're not in the office or you're not in the workplace, then like that, that's why there's yeah. a conversation around it, right? Because you can still, if you can still deliver and do what you're meant to do for your business and even overachieve, then why do you need to be chained to a desk? You don't. I think you've also got to have a real interest in what you do yeah, and be passionate about what sure. you do. Um, and, you know, for me, as I say, you know, I don't know if it's the right thing or wrong thing, but I'm still, you know, at weekends doing things on my phone, looking yeah, at LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. liking things, sharing yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. I'm not doing it because actually it looks really good to my MD. I'm doing it because I've got an interest in it. what I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and actually it benefits me in the long run. It's about being that subject matter expert. It's about being that leader. And, you know, and also building that reputation for yourself because, you know, as a female, the, you know, is thinking about what they're going to do next. You know, sure. you, you can't necessarily do it all, mm. but you have to then think about, okay, you know, if I'm going to go out and have a family, what does that mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, can I still stay in this industry? And, you know, for me, as I said to you earlier, it's about a career. So mm. you know, if I am going to do it all, it has to all work together. And I think, yeah. you know, this flexibility, technology, yeah. all of that stuff can only be a good thing yeah, um, for, sure. for women in recruitment. But, you know, that gap that we do have at a senior level is going to take years to catch up. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. Um, so something that I always like to ask people, Lucy, there may be one moment, there may not be, but I always like to ask people sort of what their sort of biggest failure was, which would have been like some huge learning and, and then like to tie that in with sort of your biggest success. But yeah. th- there's I'm laughing because there's, al- there's always uh, things that happen, isn't there, in recruitment? <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, I guess it's a recruitment roller coaster. Uh, exactly that. Um, we've all been down. Uh, we've all had the highs exactly. as well. Is there any sort of thing that stands out where you're like, oh my God, I literally hated that day, but I learned so much from it. Or like, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't think, I still get them. I think everyone gets yeah, yeah, them. You know, yeah. you, you can't know everything. Um, you know, I've been doing it 13 odd years and I still think I have a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can kick yourself for things that you've said, things that you've done. Um, and, you know, you sort of question whether it was, I don't know, the right decision you've made. Um, you know, I don't know if it's yeah. worked walking away from a particular business or... I don't know, you say, you know, early on I looked to a few things and I'd mispriced things and different <laughs> things like that. Um, but you learn from it. You yeah. learn from your mistakes. And I think actually they can only, um, you know, therefore be positive things. The highs, you know, I still get a buzz from um, being awarded work. I mm. still get a buzz from placing candidates. Yeah. Um, you know, Was there that... any particular like, real success that you're, you're super proud of that happened? Um, I think, you know, one of the great things for me is you know, EO's taken me in a different direction, I say, with all the social content and all of that side of things. But a lot of the work that I've generated has actually come from myself. Nice. So it's been a combination of, you know, utilising the strengths of the business with what I'm potentially good at as well. Yeah. Um, and say, you know, as a result of that, the rev- the majority of the revenue that I do bring in is through my own network, yeah, which yeah, I'm yeah. pretty which proud you, of. absolutely what you're asked off to Yeah, to, to do. Yeah, yeah. That, it takes a long time and, yeah. you know, and it could still continue mm. and you know there is still some refining to do on that but you know I'm, I'm pretty proud of that yeah no you should be definitely so um before we wrap up and finish then what tell me what, what's going on in your world then so what what's going on that you're excited about so you've got a blog about the women recruitment coming out soon yeah, what, so what, what else is going on that you're excited about i think it's just to say it's a really interesting time so you know the market's evolving you know not necessarily necessarily yeah. uh just in the hr space but i think in general um so you know, women in recruitment blog, and it, and it touches along, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've just said about actually why aren't there as many female leaders. Yeah. Also, I don't, you know, we said it really early on. I don't think anyone necessarily decides that they want to be a recruiter at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, why is that? Mm. Um, and what can be done by organisations to try and entice more people into the industry? That's what I'm trying to do with this. Yeah. That is because it's, we're actually talking about real stuff. Do you know what I mean? We're talking about what you can actually get from recruitment, what, the, the dark days <laughs> yeah and, and there are aren't they and it yeah, is sometimes really sure. tough um really but, tough you know you have to be resilient and that's why i say you have to be passionate about what you do mm. if you come into it and it's not for you do you know what that's kind of fine that's fine yeah exactly. and probably go and find something else to do but you know i love what i do still 13 years on yeah, yeah. um that's i great. hope i still do love it you know in five years time as yeah, well yeah, yeah. um so i think you know the industry is going to change you've got to be open to doing that um, HR keeps changing. Um, it's you know been perhaps a reactive function in the past. The type of demands that mm. CEOs, MDs have, employees now have means there's a different yeah, HR person needed. Yeah. Like you get you, you literally have like people managers now and stuff. Like that. I'm sure that would fall into HR and make sure their job is to make sure people are actually happy in in the work and stuff yeah, like that. And, right? And job Crazy. titles have changed. So you know it's about. I don't know, instead of like human resources, treating people like a commodity, you know, it's about people experience. You yeah, know, there's people, people experience, experience directors yeah, exactly. out there. 
Yeah, which I find super interesting. Okay, cool. So a question I always ask everyone who comes on the show um, is this. So you can answer this with one word or sentence, whatever comes up. So if you could communicate to um, every single recruiter, they'd listen to Lucy, they'd apply what you'd say the next day to their desk or whatever, um, what would you say? Um, <laughs> the fact that everybody would want to listen would be the interesting bit in the first place. Um, no, they'd listen. Yeah, but say I think it, it is just being you, and actually, yeah, you know, that's something like that. that I've always worked with. So, you know, it is for me about being true to yourself. It's about being, you know, building those relationships. Um, at the end of the day, people buy people. Yeah. Um, so you know, we've got a fantastic product, but you know, hopefully people also decide to buy that product and that executive search philosophy because they want to work with us. Mm. So I think it's being genuine to yourself, um, treating people with respect, treat yourself with respect actually as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the more confidence that you have in yourself, the more building of your own brand. Yeah. Um, and being genuinely interested in what you do yeah, yeah. Um, also makes it a lot easier to go to work every day. Cool, I love it. Well, look, thanks for coming on. It's been no great problem. to chat. Really enjoyed it. You've had a very successful career, so congrats and um, thanks Hopefully for your time. it continues. <laughs>